Yes, good morning, church. His presence is here. Can we approach him and surrender as one body, one church, united? We pour on our praise before our Savior today. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is a mountain, you see a mountain. That's right. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. Would you surround us with your presence, Lord? There's nothing to fear now, for I will save you. Can we lift this up today, united as one? And so when I find out, find out my knees, with my hands lifted high, oh God, the battle belongs to you, and every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night, oh God, the battle belongs to you. this up this morning. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty, is you, oh Lord. When all I see is a cross, God, you see the empty tomb. And so when I find, so when I find, I Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle, amen. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle, nothing. Yes, if you place your faith in them, would you profess this with confidence today? Yeah. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Oh, God. 
of who God is. In his word it says, blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And so Jesus, thank you for showing us your glory, for revealing your nature to us, the identity of God himself, King Jesus. We look to you, our King. We proclaim your name. What a beautiful name it is, because nothing compares to you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. There's no other name. You're so worthy of our praise and of our worship. Well, hey, welcome to second service here at MRCC. You know, the most important commandment is to love thy God, but the second most important is to love thy neighbor. And so would you turn to those around you and make them feel loved today in the house of the Lord? Yeah. Hey, hey, good morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with our brothers and sisters this morning. I can't think of any better place to be other than maybe having this outside. You know? So um, a few announcements. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Cheryl and Sadie. They have an announcement about the upcoming ladies conference. Good morning. I'm Cheryl. I'm Sadie. And we just wanted to take a minute and uh, talk to everyone about the Northwest Women's Conference. It's coming up in March, and we just want to really make sure that every lady that's associated with the MRCC is invited and informed and uh, knows that it's going to be a great time to connect and grow, and uh, we really want you to be there. We're super excited. We're going to have really great speakers. Um, we also have some fun events planned for just the MRCC ladies. We're going to have... Um, a reception with games and raffle prizes. We have swag bags, which if you don't know, stands for swag is stuff we all get. Good stuff. Um, there is some good stuff in here. Uh, there will be snacks. For 
So you're definitely gonna, gonna wanna come and you can't get the bag if you don't come. So you'll never know what's in it. But we hope you do. And we're also gonna meet ahead of time for dinner and go to the event together. So it's gonna be, again, a really good time to connect. So if you have questions or you want uh, information about getting registered, we'll be in the foyer in between services. Thanks, ladies. I think you should come just for the, the gifts. I mean, geez. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, we are experiencing a shortage right now for uh, child care people for our MOPS group. MOPS group is pretty good size. This is a paid position, so if you're interested in picking up a few hours and you enjoy being around little kids, uh, please see Pastor Allison. Um, I don't know if you've noticed these blue jackets around. We're trying to be pretty visible. And part of that is that we want you to feel connected. We want you to feel like you're in relationship. We want to be there for you so that you can find your way into a small group, into some kind of ministry serving area. Uh, we want to be guides so that you can find information that you need to get around and move around. And so watch for us back there. Tyler and Brent are also spending some time back at the little round table there by the toddler room. And, um, you know, stop by, talk to them, see what's available. We'd love to have you on one of our teams or in one of our small groups. I don't know if any of you know, probably a lot of you do know, but some of you probably don't, but Plateau Outreach Ministries... We also know them as POM. They are a local organization that provides services and goods for families who are in need on the plateau. Back when we started COVID, they had a really big shortage in their pantry. And so we ran a food drive to help them out. We also made a cash donation during that time period. They are again at a, at a point where they don't have a lot in their pantry. And so next Saturday, February 19th from 2 to 5 p.m., we're going to have a drop-off at the Annex. We have a wedding in this, in this uh, building uh, during the same time period, so our drop-off point will be at the Annex. All of us have non-perishable goods. We have cans that have slid to the back of the shelf, you know, you don't even know they're there. We can all come together and bless them and bless our community at the same time. So I'd uh, love to have you come out and, and we'd love to fill up our trailer to the roof where, you know, maybe we have to put it in the back of a pickup truck. And then um, finally, we have kind of something cool we're doing today. And uh, there's two divisions here. It's, a, it's a, uh, a little bit of a contest for Valentine's Day. And what we're doing is we're looking for the couple who's been married less than a year. Is there anybody in here? Less than a year. Right here. Oh, okay, wait a minute. Six, six months? Six months? All right, there your winners are right there. All right, stand up. We want to see who you are. Awesome. Congratulations. Now, we're looking for the couple who's been married the longest who's here this morning. So I'm not even going to start at 30. I'm going to go right to 40. 
everybody who's been married for 40 years or more, stand up. Okay. How about 45? 50? Okay, for the ones who were at 45, stand up again. 46. <laughs> He's got a check. 47. 48. 49. Here we have our winners. Congratulations. Happy Valentine's Day. Hey, if you would, um, Pastor Brent is going to be bringing the word this morning, so please welcome him. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for being here this morning, for joining us here at MRCC. Thank you so much to all those who are watching online for tuning in and joining us while you're setting up your Super Bowl parties or whatever it is that you're doing. If you know me very well, if you don't know me very well, I hope to remedy that a little bit this morning and share a bit about myself. But uh, if you do know me well, one of the things you know is that I, I just don't care about sports. Uh, go sports team is my mantra for anything sports related, right? I just don't care that much about sports, so I'm kind of like the guy for Super Bowl Sunday, right? Because it's lost on me. But uh, I know that I have a lot of friends who are going to be talking and messaging, and there'll be group chats that I'm part of throughout the day that they're going to want to talk about the Super Bowl. And so I, I want to be a good friend, and I also want to fit in. So I've prepared myself a little cheat sheet of some things that I can say throughout the day to help convince everyone that I know that I at least know something of what I'm talking about. So I think throughout the day, I'll probably be using phrases like, oh, man, Stafford is hungry. Or like, Stafford wants it. <laughs> Stafford wants it. Stuff like, oh, what a Cinderella story this would be for the Bengals. Uh, man, it'd be just incredible. Stuff like, man, the Rams, they're on their own turf. They're on their own turf. I don't know. I don't know. Just general misgivings about, about what might happen, I think, might, might put me in, in the right loop. So if you think those sounded okay, come let me know afterwards. I'd like feedback. Uh, I want to make sure I fit in <laughs> with my friends, even though I don't care. That's all pre-generated. Don't worry about it. Uh, my name is Brent Smith. If you don't know me, I am a pastor here at MRCC. Uh, started out in youth ministry. And as of the last year and some change, I've been our connections pastor and kind of helping pastor and facilitate a lot of our groups ministries that happen here uh, at MRCC. So I am thrilled to be up here this morning. Uh, I'm going to share a little bit about myself for those that don't know. I did not grow up in church, so I actually was invited to culture youth ministry here at MRCC when I was a teenager by a friend. And at the time, I thought, uh, you know, sure, it sounds like fun, you know, they... they have fun. I think the first night that I showed up, they were giving away an electric guitar. And I really wanted to learn how to play electric guitar. So I'm, I'm like, well, that sounds fine. I'll show up and maybe win an electric guitar. So I, I came to youth ministry and I was the kid that many of you might be familiar with, or maybe you were this kid when you were growing up. And I sat in the back and I had my hoodie and I had my hood up and I was just an observer. I was just hanging out in the back. I was just kind of watching, seeing what was going on kind of not having to get too attached to everything and too personally involved. And I was happy being an observer for quite a while until uh, the first thing that sort of kick-started my, my journey was when they asked if I had been attending for some time and they asked if I wanted to learn how to run the soundboard and run the tech for worship. 
And I'm a tech guy. I love like technology, that sort of thing. I thought it would be fun and interesting. I'm always up for learning new skill sets. So I said, sure. I mean, that sounds pretty, pretty low pressure. Um, and and I'll, I'll commit to that. Sure, that sounds great. So I started learning to run the tech. And through doing that, as I was showing up early for worship practice, I really got to know and build more relationship with the youth leaders at Culture. And that was one of the first things that sort of began a shift in my heart. Um, because I, I really wrestled for a little while with, like, why are, why are these people loving me so unconditionally? Why are they so interested in building relationship with me? Why are they so interested in being a, a part of my life and, and genuinely wanting to know about me and know my heart? Uh, it, it was something that I hadn't experienced a lot before, and it was very, uh, it was very interesting to me. So that was sort of the first shift. And as I became more involved, I was running sound, I was happy. I was content. I was in such a good spot. I'm like, I can do this forever. And then the youth pastor discovered the thing that I had hoped and, and begun to pray that they would never discover, and that, that, was, that I had been classically trained in piano for years. <laughs> and I'm like, if, they, if he finds this out, he's going to make me go up there, and he's going to make me play. And so he found out, and he's like, you didn't tell me you knew how to play piano. And I'm like, I didn't. You're right. <laughs> That's, that was very intentional. I didn't forget. And uh, growing up, my history with, with learning piano was I, I'd played in a ton of recitals and even some competitions and stuff like that. And I never, I hated it as a kid. Looking back now, I, I am so thankful for those experiences because they, they really helped to grow a part of me uh, as I was growing up as a kid. But when I was that age, I hated it. I hated the pressure of being up on a stage, of being by myself. I hated the pressure of performing for people. And if I'm being honest, I was never a particularly studious learner when it came to piano. I didn't practice as much as I should have. I wasn't as confident as I could have been. So I did not like performing at all, and I associated that with what was happening here. And I'm like, no, I don't want to play. And then he said the magic words. He said, why don't you just go up and practice? Why don't you just go up and practice with them? Just, just go up there, low pressure, and I bought it, hook, line, and sinker. I was like, okay, fine. So I went up and I practiced with them, and it went pretty well, actually. And so I was like, well, that wasn't so bad. And he said, well, you already practiced. Might as well, might as well play tonight. And, and so I went down the rabbit hole and eventually uh, got very involved with the worship team. And that was where the second sort of shift began because all of my experience in playing piano in front of people did not translate to what I was experiencing up here. And the reason for that is twofold. The first is because I never played on a team before. I'd never played in a band. I'd never played where there was relationship and there was this sort of connectedness and fellowship that was happening in worship before. And then the second more important part is when I was worshiping, it ultimately stopped becoming about me playing in front of people and me playing for God, me playing for him and for his glory. And because of those reasons, it felt totally different. It did not feel the same, and I was... Uh, I was enraptured. I, I just fell in love with worship. And uh, I did not expect that to happen. So as I'm on the worship team, I began to pursue being a youth leader as I sort of started growing up more, walking uh, in my walk of faith. And there eventually came a moment, I remember, um, you know, I'd, I'd sort of wrestled for a while and thought like, okay, the slow burn, all right, let's check this thing out. Let's, let's, let's sort of explore this faith 
And there came a moment I remember driving home in my car when I was just, I felt kind of lost at the time and, and I, was having, I was having fun, I was enjoying what I was doing, but I just felt kind of lost and then I just felt this peace in my heart and I felt God sort of speak into my heart, this is the truth, this is what you've been looking for. And that moment was when I was like, all right, this is it. I, I am, that was when I got saved and that was when I really began to commit to Jesus because I, I really felt that, that in my heart that this was the truth. This was the way. This is what I've been looking for. So I became a youth leader and uh, eventually throughout that we went to a youth conference where uh, God sort of spoke into my life at the moment and said, there's a calling on your life to preach and teach my word, to, be, to do worship as full-time, full-time ministry. And at the time, <laughs> I was... My answer was, I'm flattered, God, but no thank you. Um, that was sort of where I was at at the moment. I was like, I, I really love doing this, but God, I think you're wrong. I don't know. I, have you really thought about this? And, and so that was sort of my, the nature of my uh, struggling with that. And I, I began, to ran from, uh, began to run from that calling. And my, my mind goes to Psalm 139, verses 7 through 8, as I recall this. And it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. No matter where I was going, God was pursuing me, and he kept reminding me, I have a calling on your life that, that I want you to pursue. And eventually, it got to a point where I could not run from it anymore, um, and I decided to reach out to Pastor Zach, the, the youth pastor here at the time, and I said, Zach, I want to... I wanna, pursue doing like an internship at the church. I want to I go for this. And so he's like, that sounds great. And myself and Pastor Josh, who's our current youth pastor, we became interns at the same time here at MRCC. And that internship was awesome. We started out as youth worship interns because at the time I was convinced that God was calling me to lead in worship and, uh, and to do worship full time. And it was really through that internship, it's a huge blessing uh, because it was through that internship that I came to realize that God's calling on my life was not for worship ministry. It was more, uh, it looked different. It was, he was calling me to preach and teach his word. And so that's why I'm thrilled to be up here this morning. One of the things that recently uh, has become dear to my heart as I've been on staff here, started out in youth ministry, as I mentioned, and the last year and some change, I've been uh, our Connections pastor, and that has given me more opportunities to, to explore this calling that God's placed on my life as I've been able to lead our uh, Thursday night uh, Bible study called WordWorks here at MRCC. I've been able to host that, and that has been a huge blessing to me. Um, that, that group is, is like family to me, and we are always uh, happy to see new faces and just to discuss have fellowship and talk about the Bible together. That has been life-giving to me. So I'm thrilled to be up here this morning. That's a little bit about my journey. But what are we going to talk about this morning? We're going to talk a little bit about what God's Word says about perseverance and endurance for us. So before we do that, I have a question. That question is, have you ever been stuck somewhere before? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm sure we all have in some way, shape, or form. I have buddies that go wheeling all the time. And it seems counterproductive to me that whenever they go wheeling, they always, like, their goal is to get stuck. 
Like, if they didn't get stuck, it wasn't successful. And so, like, they're always telling me stories about, oh, yeah, we wouldn't have so-and-so, and here's where we finally got stuck. And it's just like, okay, I mean, then you're bad at wheeling? I don't know. Like, get better. Get good. And so they, <laughs> the stories always seem to end that way, but that's the point of wheeling, I found out, is that you want to go get stuck. You want to see how far you can go. We get stuck physically in a lot of ways, and it's usually not something to make light of, but some people and some things get stuck in ways that it just can't help but but wonder about and make me curious. So I have a few photos that I just wanted to share. The first one here, this horse is stuck in a hole. He, the, the, I, the reason I like this one is A, because I don't know what they're doing with the ropes. I mean, are they gonna just like pull the horse out of the hole? And the second thing is the horse just looks done. Like the horse has skipped past panic and gone straight to, this is my life now. I, I live in this hole. I will, sh- I will pop up out of this hole and if you see my shadow, there'll be a few more weeks of winter. That's like his life. Next one we've got here is, <laughs> Potty training alert. It's dangerous. Don't try it. Uh, You've been warned. This kid does not look happy. I wouldn't be if I were in his situation either. Next one. Yeah, this is probably a shot from like the next Fast and Furious movie. I don't know. I don't even know how he got the car up there. It's taking five people just to get him out the door. Next. (laughs) All right. This one, I have to confess something to you. This is nightmare inducing for me. I don't know what your phobia is. Everybody has something. Mine is claustrophobia. And I, I, this picture is just like, he, how can he move? How is he going to get out? That's where my mind goes. A pit starts to form whenever I look at it. Uh, I think my body just naturally knows it's big. And so small space is bad. Like that's just, my body has this instinct of like small space is bad. That's not, that's not where I'm meant to be. It's not good. Next one. This, <laughs> this guy, whatever was in there probably wasn't worth it. I mean, come on. Uh, nothing's worth getting stuck in that way. Embarrassing. He probably had to have his friends help him out. Next one. This is to highlight a little bit. My, I'm going to be a little biased here. I'm sorry. Dogs versus cats. Look at this dog. This dog is content, even though he's stuck. He's fine. He knows his human will sit there eventually, and he'll get to spend time with them. Like, the dog's just having a good time, happy, stuck in the chair. And then go to the next one. Look at the cat. The cat's like clearly having an awful time. It's in distress. It's probably going to claw you if you try to get it out of the chair and help it in any way. Like that's just, that's not fun. There's hair all up in the chair anyways. Maybe the cat lives in there. I don't know. Dogs clearly just understand something that cats don't. All of us get stuck at some point in our lives. Being stuck physically somewhere is no good, but we face an even bigger challenge when we are stuck emotionally and when we're stuck spiritually. And wherever you are in your faith right now, you probably have felt or will feel spiritually stuck and unsure of what to do next. Uh, Maybe you're in the midst of like family struggles. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Um, Perhaps it's just something you've been struggling with or struggling against for so long that you just don't have what it takes anymore and you're not sure how to get through it. God wants to remind us through his word this morning that where our strength ends, his is more than sufficient to carry us through. So join me in turning to James chapter 1 this morning is going to be our main text. We're going to explore. If you have your Bible, go ahead and follow along as we read. James chapter 1, starting with verse 2 through 5, it says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. 
I love reading the book of James, and most people that I talk to share the same sort of feeling. Something about the way James is written, it it speaks to us on a a level that's fairly easy, I think, for many of us to understand. It is very, it goes out of its way to be clear and concise, but also very encouraging, speaking to our hearts, but also being easy to digest and understand for for those reminders. Even there, we just read it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. It's that's encouraging words. This is good for my brain, right? I need constant reminders. I I need them all the time. The amount of times that my wife has to remind me to do the dishes is only exceeded by the amount of times I'll say I'll do them later, right? I, I need to be constantly reminded about things just because of the way that I get distracted by everything around me. Our world has so many confusing and competing ideas about what we should do in this situation or how we should respond to this. But uh, it, it can be overwhelming. But through his word, we can find direction that reminds us and encourages us in the truth of who our father is. So how do we get through difficult seasons? What does it look like for us to take this teaching to heart? And the first step is to understand that God's way of getting us through trials will most likely not be what we expect right? It will most likely not look how we would come up with it. Our father has the big picture in mind, and he knows our heart better than we could ever hope to. So his way is infinitely more bountiful than anything we could dream up. Uh, I know Pastor Greg shared last week uh, about Abraham and Sarah at the end of his message. And, and Abraham and Sarah, we know, reached this point in their struggle, in their waiting, where they thought they came up with a better solution out of their trial than, than what God had for them. And so they tried something thinking that, that this will be a way for us to, to get through this. This will be an idea that we came up with that'll help. And it ultimately ended up causing more hurt and more pain. It was not the right way. God, we, we often try to act out of our own understanding, but God's way is better. It is good. Growing up, my parents would often say no to us as kids when we thought we needed something, responsibly so, as if any of you are parents, I'm sure you do this on a daily basis. Because, right, kids really don't know what they need. Kids really think that they need something different or something that doesn't account for the full picture. That's just the way growing up works. And I, I remember spending a season of my life as a kid obsessed with Pokemon. And I, want, I had some Pokemon cards, and I would trade them with the other kids. I was not allowed to have a Game Boy, so what I did was I would go to the Enumclaw Library and I would check out the strategy guides with pictures for the Pokemon games on the Game Boy, and I would read through them as if I was playing the game, and that helped me kind of feel like I was experiencing the game more. But the culmination of all of this was I thought the only thing I ever needed in this world, the thing that would make me the most happy, is to watch the Pokemon anime TV show. I want to watch it so bad. And for a while, my parents were, they were like, no, we, we don't want you to watch that. There's other stuff to watch. And I remember eventually I must have worn them down or must have gotten to a point where they were finally okay with it because I remember turning on the TV, switching the channel to Pokemon and watching. And it, it was fine. I mean, I watched some and then I stopped watching and didn't watch. Like, I only watched a little bit before I realized, eh, this isn't for me. What I was so desperate to watch ended up leaving me disappointed and feeling unsatisfied. 
And it works the same way so often with us and God, I think, where we are convinced that, that X or Y is going to get us out of a situation or the, it's the one thing that will make us happy or the one thing that will bring us satisfaction. But our Father knows best. Uh, probably not too long after the whole Pokemon debacle, uh, I remember my dad calling me out into the living room, uh, TV room, to watch a movie. And so, like, I'm a kid. I'm an expert on everything. I've got a busy schedule. So I'm thinking, like, that's like an hour and 15 minutes. I don't know. I got stuff to do. I really need to organize my Pokemon cards again. And uh, I guess I can spare an hour and 15 minutes to hang out with my dad. Fine. That's, that's great. I'll fit it into my schedule. And I went out in the living room. And that was the day that my dad showed me Star Wars. <laughs> and I, Pokemon did not stand a chance against Star Wars. Um, <laughs> I think that to this day even, like if you go into my house, there's not a room in our house that doesn't have some sort of Star Wars related decoration or something in it. Star Wars just has become such a beloved franchise close to my heart. My dad knew, he knew when I came out there and he showed me Star Wars that it was going to be something that was an instant hit just because he knew me. And even, uh, you know, after that, the 20th Century Fox theme that would play at the beginning of Star Wars, I remember when I was a kid, other movies have that theme. I didn't understand that. So whenever I would hear my parents turn on the TV and I hear the 20th Century Fox, I'm, I'd come running out of my room and I sit down on the couch and I'm like, I'm ready to watch Star Wars. And they had to explain, Brent, other movies have this too. This isn't Star Wars. And I was very disappointed. Star Wars was close to my heart. My dad knew that. You see, when our father provides for us, it's usually in a way that we don't expect and it always turns out to be more than we could imagine. Always. The truth is, our Father loves us. And when we trust that he will care for us in moments where our power isn't enough, it sets us free to endure. Let's consider what else his word has to say on this. In Luke chapter 12, verse 24, it says, Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. We're valuable to our Father. He doesn't offer us his strength, his mercy, his peace because he's obligated or because of a sense of duty. He offers those to us because he loves us and he wants to be in relation with us. And when we cling to this truth, it sets us well on the way to developing the perseverance that we read about in the book of James. John Hopkins University did a study back in the 50s and they did this study with rats as many studies are conducted. And what they did was they took a, ser a series of rats and they placed them in jars of water and they timed how long the rats could swim in the water. So they just, they took some wild rats, placed them in, and after a few minutes, all the rats in short order inevitably grew exhausted and drowned. And so then they repeated the test. But what they did this time was they took rats, they placed them in the water, and then when the rats reached the point of critical exhaustion and began to sink, they would reach in and they would pick the rats up and they would hold on to them and let them rest and then they would place them back in the water. And they would do this repeatedly and the rats they found that had experienced this hand come up and pick them, that had experienced this hope, were able to swim on their own for periods of five to ten times as long as the rats who had never experienced this before. And the study ended up concluding that hope is a powerful thing 
in not just our lives, but even the lives of something like a rat. So how much more does it relate to us with our father? These rats persevered because they knew that when they couldn't go on anymore, that mysterious hand would keep them from drowning. The only thing that these new rats had that was different was the knowledge that they had been saved before and a trust that it would happen again. God wants us to trust him and to swim with that confidence that he's present and his love and his reach is far greater than the depth of whatever water we might be treading. And so how do we get that confidence? How do we, how do we receive that, that confidence, that trust in our God? Well, the truth is that he helps us. Our God is faithful. He knows that we struggle with this, and so he offers us his help. We just read in James that if any of us lacks wisdom, we can go to God and he will give it to us. This is true of so many other areas where we fall short, so many other areas where we are lacking. God is always more in our less, right? He, so the first way that he helps, he helps to get us unstuck, is he makes himself available. Psalm 34.10 says, The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. In Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God is never too busy doing something else. There are no DMV lines. There are no cues. There's no waiting list based off of how much you've sinned in the past week. Uh, if your heart cries out to God, he is there for you. Maybe you feel far from him this morning. Uh, trust that he is waiting for you like a patient and loving father. Trust that he is available to you this morning. He wants that. Seek him. Seek him in his word. Seek him in times of prayer. Seek him in creation around you. Seek him in the relationships that you have with those around you. You will find him there. He is available to you. The second thing our father does is he gives us encouragement. Sometimes what we need most is to know that we're loved and we're valued by the creator of all things. God has been incredibly faithful in my life to offer me so much encouragement when I get distracted or when I fail at something. He has been uh, a blessing to me and encouraging me and offering me life-fulfilling, building up. Isaiah 49, 13 says this, Shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth. Burst into song, you mountains. For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Like a good father, he builds us up. A few years ago, I tried to teach uh, my wife, Heather, how to drive a manual uh, stick. And it did not go well, to no fault of her own. I approached it from just such a, uh, a logical, direct angle when I was trying to teach her. I was so convinced, I was so uh, caught up in the fact that if I could just explain to her how the clutch worked and how everything worked together, that she would get it and that she would be able to drive it all of a sudden. And I would get frustrated when that wasn't the case. I was unwilling at the time to make encouragement and love my basis, my method for teaching her. And the part that makes this an embarrassing story to admit is that when I learned to drive a manual, it was the opposite. My, I, I learned to drive a manual in some rough conditions. I remember it was a little Toyota Tacoma pickup, rear wheel drive, no weight in the back, middle of the rain, hills, like my dad would have me drive that thing everywhere. But he was so collected, encouraging, and calm that his presence in the car helped me to learn. He gently encouraged me. He allowed me the space to learn how to do it without being 
direct without using the approach that I tried to take with my wife. And our Father God is like that with us. Maybe you're struggling with something specific this morning. Maybe it is uh, classes. Maybe you're in school and you're having a difficult time with your classes. Maybe you're raising kids and it is just, you don't know how to do it anymore. You don't know how to go on anymore. Maybe you're struggling with a tough work environment. It is, it's not healthy, it's not good, and, and you're having a tough time. Go to our God. Seek his encouragement. It will bring you peace. It will bring you life. The third thing he does is he meets us at our lowest moments. The parable of uh, the lost son, the prodigal son, is probably one of the most uh, powerful and influential stories told in, in the Bible. I know it is for me. It makes such an impact every time I read it. For some context, the, the son asks his father for, for his inheritance early. He basically says, give me the money that I, would, that I would be due now so I can go spend it. And he gets his inheritance and he goes and, and squanders it in a life of debauchery and, and high living. Wastes all of his inheritance away and ends up with pigs eating the leftover scraps from the pigs. He has nothing to his name and he's barely able to survive. And the son comes up with this plan. He comes up with, with an idea. He says, I'm low right now. I, I got nothing. I'm stuck. I'm lost. I, I know what I'll do. I'll go to my dad, I'll go to my father, and I'll say, Father, even your, your servants have food to eat. I'll be one of your servants. I will be the, the lowest level of relationship with you as possible. And that'll be enough to like satisfy me and get me, get me by. That's what I want. I'll go to him. I've got this plan. It should work. It'll be fine. You see, the, the son thinks that if I can just be his servant, I'll be better off than I am now. And the reality we find in, in Luke chapter 15, verse 20, and it says this, it says, so he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. You see, God runs to us in our shame, in our hurt, in our brokenness when we're stuck. And he embraces us as his sons and his daughters. The son in the story is he thinks he has a checklist that he can make happen. He thinks, if I, maybe if I work for him for five, 10, 15 years, then maybe even, maybe the son was thinking that he could reconcile with his dad. Maybe we can start to build a relationship again, piece by piece, slowly. And that's not the case. The father was interested in saying, you're my son. Come back to the family. Our plans are, are never as good as God's plans are. He sees us from a long way off. He knows our heart and he runs to meet us and bring us to him. Which brings us to the last thing that he does is he has a plan already. He has a plan already and he has the power to make that plan happen, right? God doesn't need your plan. He doesn't need mine. Lord knows that mine never usually work out. He already has one and it involves bringing out the finest robes killing the fattened calf and feasting in celebration of our return home. If we trust in his goodness, we will be part of something so much greater than we could ever hope to dream up ourselves. But we also need to trust in his power, that it's sufficient 
to overcome our situation. Heather and I got a Roomba a couple of years ago, and we'd, we'd wanted one for a while, and so we, we finally got one, and he does a great job. We've instantly, as soon as we got it, we anthropomorphized him, we gave him a name, and now he goes, he's like a pet, essentially. It's embarrassing. If you have a Roomba, you're probably a lot more responsible than we are. Um, but our Roomba goes around the house, and he does a pretty good job most of the time of knocking stuff over and cleaning the floors and getting himself into trouble. But one of the things that he does is uh, we'll get little notifications on our app that's linked with it. And the first time we got this, we were confused. It said, your Roomba is stuck on a cliff. I think we have a slide that shows. <laughs> They're a little dramatic. They're a little dramatic. So I saw this message. I'm like, oh, he's stuck on a cliff. Like, I don't remember any cliffs in our house. I don't know. Maybe I'm not as familiar with the floor plan as I thought. And so then... We, go, we hear the beeping, we get the notification, I'm stuck. And we go over to the Roomba and he's usually just like a sock. It's usually a sock. He's gotten stuck on a sock and he doesn't know how to continue. And the reality is so many times when we run up against something, we, we just don't know how to deal with it. We, we don't recognize, we don't have the big picture. We run up and we say, I'm at this cliff. I don't know how to go forward. God, what do I do? We cry out and we alert, God, I'm, I'm stuck at this cliff. What do I do? And every time God comes over, he meets us in that moment. And what is a cliff to us is a sock to God, right? It takes me no time at all, no effort to brush the sock out of the way and let the Roomba continue on doing its thing. Our God has the power. We just need to learn to wait on him. We need to learn to trust in his ability and his power to get us through situations, to get us through that chasm, over that cliff, whatever we might be stuck up on. He has the ability to do so. Um, the impressive display of, uh, of people who've been married this morning as a part of our Valentine's Day contest. My wife and I have been married for six years and some change, which isn't nearly as long as many folks in this room. And we've learned a lot of important lessons and there are still a lot of things that we have to learn. But one of the things that we've discovered is that our marriage can't work based on any sort of checklist or, or plan that we can execute, that we can come up with. We can't write down a list of things on a piece of paper and say, if we do all these things and, and check off the boxes, then, then we'll last, we'll make it. We can't do that. We, we've discovered that it just doesn't work. We discovered the only thing that can keep us going is persevering and trusting that God's plan for our marriage, God's plan for our lives together is so much greater than what we're dealing with in a moment, what we're arguing about in a day, or what we have planned, what we have planned for the future. God is greater than all of that. Trust in him for that encouragement in your life. Seek him, receive it this morning. He's a loving father and he joyfully gives it to us. He joyfully gives it. Would you stand with me as we pray this morning? Father, we love you so much and we come to you this morning with hearts that are just broken by whatever situation, whatever trial we might be facing. God, we come to you with open arms and we, we ask you, Lord, to, to come into our lives, to enter in. We trust in you and it's our prayer this morning, God, that, that we would just rely on you, that we would lean into you and wait 
because we know, God, that your plan is so much greater. We know that the battle belongs to you, God, like we sang this morning, the battle belongs to you. And that brings us so much peace when we accept that, Lord. Help us to learn that. Help remind us of that as we go from this place, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. The battle belongs to our God, rest on him. Receive his encouragement. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Go with God today. Have a fantastic week. Yeah, <laughs>